Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. It's the best week of the year, and I'm joined by two of the best draft experts Arrowhead Pride has. I'm Price Carter. Thanks for joining us tonight. It is the calm before the storm. We are about, it's 8.30 p.m. right now on Tuesday evening, so we're about 48 hours away from the Chiefs selecting a player. Probably be closer to 10 o'clock, but knowing how the NFL draft goes. But without further ado, I've got film expert Caleb James joining me, as well as Rocky Magana, two of Arrowhead Pride's finest draft analysts. And we are here to focus in on the first round. Fellas, what are you feeling 48 hours out from the Chiefs being on the clock? I'm ready to rock and roll, man. It's about that time. I tell you what, we've done way too many mock drafts. We've done watched way, way, way too much film, lost too much sleep up until now. I want to see who's actually going to be on the team, and I want to see how wrong I've been over the last couple months and so I can eat some crow or so I can pull my receipts and flex on some fools. It's, you know, I'm a huge fan, personally, of Arrowhead Pride and the work we do. I feel like we've done a terrific job. We've written so many player profiles. We've done so many mocks, so many podcasts. We're all so excited for it to be here um shout out to caleb and um ron cop and pete sweeney and steven serta they're all going to be going live during round one live streaming and talking about the broadcast they're actually credentialed and will be at the draft covering it um and they'll be out there friday and saturday as well so keep it locked on here be focusing on arrowhead pride in our coverage we're gonna have lots of instant reactions and that's that's the great thing rocky you bring that up like we've been talking about the draft for so long and who's it gonna be who's it's gonna be then we finally get the player, and now we can actually talk about how they fit in the team and what what does this mean for the roster construction going forward. So it's it's like Christmas. You you look at the presents, you shake the presents, you 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 know you you guess what they are, and then you finally get to open and play with them. So um, hopefully, you know, there's going to be like what possibly ten new Chiefs. I'm not banking that there'll be ten new Chiefs, but a lot of excitement, a lot to look forward to. And, and it's going to be something like yeah, you shook the present for a month and a half, and you imagine what was on the inside, and then you open it up, and it sucks. And you're like, crap, I don't, I hate socks. I wanted a toy. And then you're going to put those cozy socks on your feet in the middle of December. And you're going to be like, damn, these are some great socks. And you're going to love those socks. You heard it here first. Socks, Mazzy Smith. That is the prospect. Mazzy Smith is socks. He is comfortable. He is safe. You will not regret having a new pair of socks. But at the end of the day, they are socks. Uh, the pick 31. No, I feel like Mazzy Smith is more like thong underwear. Like it's, it's a risky choice. It's either really going to work out for you or it's going to go really wrong. Well, it depends on who's wearing the thong. You know, I don't know if it looked good on me or anything like that, but 
you know, the right person. We'll, we'll stay locked in here for us comparing uh, NFL prospects to underwear types. Um, that's actually what we're going to be doing for the next hour. Uh, but a little bit more serious. We're going to just, you know, focus in on the first round since that's kind of, you know, the thing that's the closest, the most exciting, the thing that most people watch. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about the draft board overall and kind of what's going to play out. One of the most interesting things about the draft, uh, something we don't focus a lot here in Kansas City, is just the wildness that's going on with the quarterbacks at this point. Um, obviously, the Carolina Panthers have made the move up to pick one. There for a long time, the consensus was just C.J. Stroud. Um, the the betting markets moved with him. And then now it's been Bryce Young. And then as early as today, Will Levis has moved up to 10 to 1 odds in the betting markets. Um, to be clear, obviously, we're talking about gambling. Those aren't always the best indicators. But if you remember a couple of months ago, like all of a sudden the Jalen Hurts odds fell for him to be the MVP and Patrick Mahomes is spiked. And it's like, what's going on? No one knows. Oh, it turns out Jalen Hurts has a sh shoulder injury. So a lot of times these betting markets are really sharp and what they know can be a good indicator. Um, Caleb, I'll throw to you. Does Will Lovis have a chance to be the number one quarterback off the board? In a crazy way, I think he does. I don't think he should be just because especially when you have, you know, Bryce and CJ in the same class as Will Levis, you're thinking it should go, you know, one of those two and then Levis three. But just the fact that he's still hanging around here this close, you know, where there is smoke, there might be some fire. And, you know, it wouldn't be you know, like the Panthers to not make a bad decision because let's be honest, bad teams make real bad decisions this time of year. And it's why they remain bad teams. So I'll say there's like a sliver of a chance. I'll say it's like a 25, 30% chance he goes number one overall. Rocky, what do you think is the right quarterback to pick? I mean, we're, we're right now, like we're doing a thing like, is it Will Levis? Is it Bryce Young? Is it CJ Stroud? Who do you think is the right quarterback for the Panthers to take at one? Well, I think for the Panthers, they need somebody who can kind of hit the ground running. Um, I think Anthony Richardson has the most upside of any quarterback in this draft, but he's also probably the biggest project that's going to take, would take the right environment and the right coaching staff. Honestly, I'm, I still think it's going to be CJ Stroud. I think this is all, I think this is all smoke. Um, I don't think the Panthers move up to number one without knowing the guy that they wanted ahead of time. And all of this, is it going to be Bryce Young? Is it going to be Will Levis? Is it going to be this, the S2 cognition test and their owner really liking it? Like that all may be true. It, if it's not CJ, if it's not CJ Stroud and say it is Bryce Young, all I know is when they moved up to number one, they knew who they were moving up for. And that's who it's going to be. My best bet, I think, is still going to be C.J. Stroud. I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. I wouldn't want to give up all the assets that they gave up for an outlier, and I just don't think that Will Levis is there as far as you know his mechanics and, and reading the field. And he's, he's a very physically gifted athlete, but I, I think C.J. Stroud is the safest pick for a team like Carolina at this point. If I was a Carolina Panthers fan, I'd be sad, first off. And then once I was done being sad, I would not have a lot of confidence in the front office. I just, I'm trying to think of an incentive, a reason why it would make sense for the front office to have all the smoke around every different prospect. Because it, it's very much been a pendulum. We're here and we're there and we're here and we're there. What's the point of that? Do you think, because like the Texans have almost kind of said they're Bryce Young or, or nothing they're more than likely not taking a quarterback if Bryce Young comes off the board. I are, I just don't understand what the Panthers angle is in trying to shift the quarterback narrative because they're at pick one. They don't care what happens after them. I mean, I think that the Texans are also probably lying. I think everybody right now at this point of the game is lying to you. I think anything that you hear or read on social media 
is probably a lie. Um, are the Texans going to pass on CJ Stroud if Bryce Young goes number one or, or Will Levis for that matter? I don't think so. Like, I mean, unless they're going to try to tank for another year and try to, and try to get Caleb Williams or Drake May, which is a risky gamble in the NFL because there's a lot of teams that suck out there, right? And so trying to guarantee yourself a number one or a number two pick next year and passing up on one of the best quarterbacks in the draft this year is it's a real risky and honestly an even more foolish move. Um, we don't know where a lot of this news is coming from a lot of the time. Also, it could be coming from player agents, you know, who are, who are leaking it out. Um what what they have to gain from it, I don't know. Trying to throw off other teams who want to who want to trade up, you know, it's all espionage at this point. And I saw about ten minutes before we got on here, they said that now uh, Tyree Wilson is plus one forty five to be the second overall player taken in the draft at plus one forty five according to DraftKings. That's ridiculous to me because if you pass on Will Anderson, you know, even if you pass on Bryce or any of those guys. You make that pass for that guy over, you know, a, a defensive end who's looking like he's one of one in a generation. That's still crazy. So, like you guys said, though, it's a lot of smoke. It could be player agents just throwing people off, drawing up hype for their guys, or maybe there's some serious, some serious tomfoolery going on in Vegas, but we don't know. Well, and that's one thing to keep in mind about Vegas their their ultimate goal is to get equal equal play on both sides of the coin. They want as many people betting for uh, Will Anderson as they are for Tyree Wilson as not, and, and because they, they want to hedge their bets and just take, and they just want to take the processing fees on either side, you know, or take the, the extra points that they're getting on either side of the bet, you know, and then, and then use your money to pay out, you know, Caleb's money. So, you know, it, it could very well just be Vegas trying to play with the markets. And the Tyree Wilson thing's really interesting too. I mean, this is, Tyree Wilson's a lot of the Trayvon Walker like analysis over again, like a, just a super raw guy traits through the roof, but just totally raw who is literally only one with just raw athleticism. Um, one thing that I'm interested in as well with the quarterbacks, like Chris Ballard's coming out of this smelling like roses, right? He sits there, waits at four. We've been kind of ridiculing him for the past months of like, Oh, you should be trading up instead of waiting for possibly QB four. He may have a realistic shot at taking the second quarterback off the board. And because if I, I don't know, maybe some team is incentivized to jump the Colts if the Texans do take Tyree Wilson or uh, Will Anderson um, and then try to get QB two. But still, like coming out of that at QB three or QB two just feels like a win for them. But one thing that I'm interested in is if CJ Stroud does fall, how far is that fall? And could a team that we're not expecting come up to get him? The, the some teams that make sense are obviously the, the Raiders. The commanders could even come up, the Titans, the Falcons, like they're saying they're comfortable with rolling with Desmond Ritter. Seems a little bit like cap. Uh, Caleb, what do you think? This offseason, there has been a ton of smoke around the Titans, possibly moving up for a quarterback. There's been a lot of rumors. You know, I've got some real good friends of mine. They're Titans fans. They keep up with it. They know I keep up with it. There's been like rumors that could trade Tannehill on draft night. I've seen like different things about them trading up picks to go get Anthony Richardson. And if CJ Stroud were to fall into a spot for them to possibly move up and get, get him, I think they would be the likely team to do it. You know, they really don't know what they have in Malik Willis. You know, they, he's probably not going to be a starting caliber quarterback for a long time in the NFL. 
you know, Tannehill's getting older. He's obviously not the guy that's going to deliver a championship to them. So, and it really, if you take a look at Vrabel's time in Tennessee, he's getting to the point where he's got to start producing in the playoffs. You know, he's a great coach, great defensive mind. He builds great, solid, tough football teams that are always competitive. The one thing they've not had is the quarterback that can put them over the top. So I think he'll be kind of in that mode this offseason, you know, as maybe he's starting to feel some of the pressure from the Tennessee front office to start delivering more in the playoffs. You know, and if – I mean, honestly, one thing that a lot of people haven't mentioned is if if Texas, if the Texans want to, wanna, you know, show their huevos and, and show how – how you know how brave they are they could very well you know take say Tyree Wilson at number 2 or Will Anderson at number 2 and then and then use their number 12 pick to move up to 9 or even like you know hop hop you know the raiders at 6 you know they have they have a, they're flush with picks this year you know right from the Deshaun Watson trade and so they could they have and they have two first round draft picks in 2024. So don't so it's not out of the question that that just because the Texans don't take a quarterback at two doesn't mean that they're not using their 12th pick plus some other resources to possibly move up and get a guy they want. Gosh, that would be so goofy and unnecessary. Like Tyree Wilson and Will Anderson. Like Will Anderson's a, a good prospect, right? But he's not Miles Garrett. He's not he's not a lock. I mean, he's a great prospect, but he's not that just S tier one edge prospect like okay let's say you you manage to pull that off and you your your haul is will anderson and will levis you know the will squared or you get tyree wilson and will anderson or tyree wilson and uh will levis how much difference does that look than like will anderson and lucas van s like not a ton not a ton different i mean obviously will anderson's the better player than van s but the gap between tyree wilson and van s is not that much and you don't have to give up don't forget that trade up is going to cost them something. So they'd be giving up compensation. To me, this team is not in a place to be giving up draft compensation at this point. Like they need to take every, they need to try to find every penny on the ground that they can find and put it in their pocket right now. So uh, I like something else that really stands out to me is no one's really talking about the lions or the Seahawks and they're taking a quarterback. To me, those are the ideal landing spot for uh, Anthony Richardson. Both of them have QBs that they could sit behind who are NFL professionals that you could learn behind. And both of those teams have infrastructure and a coaching staff in place that they feel good about. Both of those teams, I think, like if I was a Seahawks fan, if I was a Lions fan, yes, would I want to win this coming season? Yes. Do both teams have a good shot of competing in a weak NFC? Yes. But the ultimate, like, you know, you just look no further than here in Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes and what could be done with those. I understand that it's tempting to take a Jalen Carter or a Devin Witherspoon, but man, I, I, I really think one of those teams should take Anthony Richardson. If if I'm, if I'm Anthony Richardson, I'm begging to go number five to the Seattle Seahawks. I love Dan Campbell, the motivator. I even love him as a head coach, but as a quarterback developer, I, I that's not the guy who I would want to take a prospect like Anthony Richardson and then drop him into his lap. But Pete Carroll, on the other hand, I think Pete Carroll can mold Anthony Richardson into a fantastic quarterback, and I think that he has has the patience to stick with it. And he also has the goodwill with the ownership, and he, you know he has the he has the background and and the success to be able to say, okay, this might take two two years for us to get him there, 
and the, and the ownership's going to roll with it. If Dan Campbell has back-to-back bad years with Anthony Richardson, he might be on the hot seat. That's not going to be the same case with Pete Carroll. So I think, I think of all places, I, I think I said this before, earlier in the year, I think Seattle is the perfect spot for Anthony Richardson. Both uh, Seattle and Detroit, they have very good running games. They could run a lot of you know play-action type stuff early on, some stuff that could help him more in the passing game to just kind of continue to grow comfortable with, you know, NFL type stuff. So I think that would be a tremendous advantage for him for both teams. Um, You know, they're, I think they're both pretty similar situations. You know, maybe the Jamison Williams stuff knocks down Detroit, another peg, but he goes to Seattle. He's going to be throwing passes to DK and Tyler Lockett got real good second year running back, you know, kind of the same situation. It's kind of the same situation in Detroit there, but really, you know, Pete Carroll, you know, they do, they do have uh, three years. There are paying, they're paying uh, Gino pretty well, but my kind of my thing with the lions is I feel like they want to get a quarterback that they can kind of build their identity around. They've built their identity around being a tough team with Dan Campbell. The next step for them is finding like that leader, like that face of their franchise. They got a lot of really good players but now it's kind of time to go find that guy who can be like their rallying cry guy, the guy they kind of all get behind that that city can get behind. One thing that I wonder is how does this impact the Chiefs? We're talking obviously like if you're a Chiefs fan, you're absolutely a huge fan of Hinden Hooker and you want Hinden Hooker to be taken in the first round. Unless it's at pick 31, Chris Collinsworth, which we're not going to get into that. All I will say is there's no such thing as an incorrect mock draft except for Chris Collinsworth. His is literally wrong, wrong mock draft. Uh, anyways, but for the four quarterbacks, does it help the Chiefs at all if one of the quarterbacks starts to fall and another team goes up and gets them? How does this impact the Chiefs' draft strategy? Or does is it just kind of nonsense before it ultimately doesn't matter? I mean, I think the longer the run on quarterbacks goes, the better it is for the Chiefs. Because with every quarterback that's taken before the Chiefs, it's going to push another position player down now is it, it's right now we're talking about four guys and so and maybe a fifth guy so we're really just talking about one extra position player so what's that going to be is that me jordan addison makes it to 31 that's not that's not quite as exciting i think in order to really reap the benefits of the guy who does get pushed down the draft board you're still going to have to be willing to move up a few spots to go up there and get the guy above the guy who got pushed on the draft board. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see the run on quarterbacks lasting terribly long. I doubt, I honestly doubt a lot of them, you know, all four of them will even make it out of the top 10. I think you're looking at all of them taken, you know, somewhere in that slot. But yeah, kind of like Rocky mentioned, though, if the only way it's going to really impact the Chiefs too much is if you're willing to jump up to like 15, between 15 and 20. That's kind of when I can see the Chiefs starting to make a move where that could maybe help them out a little bit, kind of impact them. I think I think one team that would be good for the Chiefs if they did end up making a trade up would be the Titans, because I think the Titans have a lot of similar needs as the Chiefs. Like what are their three top three needs besides quarterback? Probably tackle, edge, and wide receiver, right? All three of those or are major tackle, needs. tackle and wide receiver. Yeah, yeah. Like they're they're even more tackle needy than the Chiefs. So you get the Titans moving up and taking CJ Stroud um or you know whatever quarterback that's one less team that's in the market for Broderick Jones or Zay Flowers or uh, JSN or whoever so what we wanted to do is we're all going to go just around the table here real quick and we're going to each pick one team that we think is a wild card 
for this NFL draft. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a team in the first round. Maybe you think the, you know, the Rams come knocking the 49ers or the Broncos, but one team that we think has the ability to kind of turn this first round on its head. I'll go first. I think one of the true wild cards is going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because I think we're going to learn a lot about what the, what the Bucks think of themselves as a team by their strategy here. Do they stay at 19 and just go best player available? You know, that's a popular landing spot for kind of like tackle number three or four off the board. Uh, you know, do they keep their right tackle on the right side, kick them over to the left side? Do they possibly make a move up for quarterback? That would they're a team that you could see climbing the board from 19 to go get a CJ Stroud. Could they be the team that gets in and hooker? Or are they a team that realizes that Tom Brady is gone, that they weren't a even close to a Super Bowl team with Tom Brady last year? And do they bite the bill and trade down? That could be a you know, for the Chiefs, that's a that's a spot that I've kind of targeted as a potential trade up. They just feel like a total wild card, and we're going to kind of learn what they think of themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a handful of teams in this draft that, that you that you look at it and you and you don't really know what direction they're going to go. I mean, is is the New England Patriots going to roll another year with Mac Jones? Or are they going to try to move out from from underneath him? Um, how far all in are the Jets going this year to try and win a Super Bowl? Right? Are they going to are they going to trade away their draft pick to try to get a veteran? on draft night to fill a missing a missing piece for me personally i think the wild card that i'm going with is the washington commanders i mean we don't really they they have sam hallett quarterback but we're not 100 percent sold on him so they they could be in the quarterback sweepstakes they need interior offensive linemen they need line they need linebackers and other players on the defensive end they have a brand new offensive coordinator and eb eric Bieniemy, former you know offensive coordinator for the chiefs and they have a new owner. Like, like is the new owner just going to say lay back, play it safe this year? Or is the new ownership group going to want to try to like, you know, win over the hearts and minds of the fan base and try to, and try to make a move, try to do something splashy, try to, you know, really drum up excitement and interest for this new ownership group and kind of leave their mark, you know, on the team early. And so, I mean, I, I wouldn't even say that Washington's even out of the running for a wide receiver. Sure. They, they have scary Terry and they drafted Johan Dotson, last year and they have Diami Brown. Those are all three guys that I really like, but let's not act like Johan Dotson and Diami Brown were world beaters last year. Like they were serviceable wide receivers, but they could, they could use an upgrade there. I, th- I think to me, it's going to be the Buffalo bills. And the reason I'm going with the bills is they've got to just be in desperation mode to get to the super bowl. Now they've seen the chiefs, the Bengals, the chiefs and the chiefs go to the super bowl from the AFC, you know, for however many seasons in a row now, you know, they may be able to beat the Chiefs in the regular season, but then they come up short against the Bengals where they run out of steam on offense. I think they're going to be aggressive. You know, I don't think they could have really been a whole lot more aggressive in free agency than they were, but I see them going up and trading up to get a receiver. I think that they're going to try to go get a guy like Zay Flowers or a Quentin Johnston. I think they're going to go after one of the elite guys in this class just because they're in that kind of mode where they've seen their rivals in the AFC continue to have success and they continue to come up short. You know, it's kind of one of those things. And, you know, obviously the stuff with Stephon Diggs, but it's like, I think they, they'll probably see that, you know, they have a decent defense. They're pretty decently built. My thing with them is like, are they going to finally go all in and make sure that if they do come down to playing the Chiefs, you know, they're going to be able to score last if that comes down to it. I think that's kind of the mentality they are going to want to have. And I think that they're going to go up and try to get one of these, 
elite receiver prospects. Maybe even, you know, they might move up and go try to get JSN, you know, flip things on their head if they can manage to pull something like that off. That to me is music to my ears. Like if the Bills are going to press like that and try to go do something like, because here's the thing, they're on the opposite timetable of the Chiefs right now. The Chiefs made their big splashy moves, their Frank Clark trade, they're drafting a running back in the first round in the rookie contract window. If they're going to push now and like try to get less picks, they need to be in the stockpile picks, get as many rookie players on there as possible. Both Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde are 32 years old. Tremaine Edmonds no longer plays for that team. Yes, Matt Milano is a good linebacker. They have just this crop of middling late round, first round and early second round pass rushers. And then 34-year-old Von, uh, Von Miller coming off two ACL surgeries. Well, you know, his second, not that he had two at the same time. Um, yes, you know, like Josh Allen's an alien, and I think like they're going to get that offensive line straightened up. And I think, you know, James Cook could be better than what they've had there. And it, it, uh, no doubt, it would be pretty scary seeing Zay Flowers there. But if they're trading, you know, a future first or a high second or another day two pick, I love that for the Chiefs because I think that's the opposite direction that they need to they need to go, and that's a top heavy team. the o- The only thing that I think might not be talked enough about with the Bills is their changing of defensive coordinator and getting away from Leslie Frazier. I think Leslie Frazier played a pretty unbecoming brand of defense for that team, and they just consistently would get carved up in the playoffs, and they just seem to play a very like fall back, let everything come to you defense that really hurt them in the playoffs. But yeah, I, I like the Bills and I, I could completely see that, you know, and everyone's just like, oh, who is it? Who, who's coming up to, to, to 11? Who's coming up to the Texans second pick? Oh, it's the Buffalo Bills. And they jump in front of all the teams. I could completely see it. That's a good, good call, Caleb. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out of reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is one player that you guys think that's an NFL player? This doesn't have to be first round exclusive. A current NFL player that you feel changes teams during this draft. You know, one thing that I think about last year, there was some smoke around the A.J. Brown trade. You know, there were some Chiefs fans who were trying to will A.J. Brown to the Chiefs after Tyreek Hill was traded, which apparently almost happened, according to A.J. Brown. Um, but Hollywood Brown, no one was talking about Hollywood Brown getting moved. And then you hear that the Cardinals traded a first round pick for Hollywood Brown, which will never not be funny. Who is the NFL player that you feel that is getting moved during this NFL draft? Rocky? You know, thinking about it, I it wouldn't shock me. If one of the uh, 
if if either probably not T Higgins, but most likely Tyler Boyd gets moved from the Cincinnati Bengals. They're getting ready to have to pay a lot of people on uh, on on the offensive side of the ball, and they need to restock on defense. Um, so that's a guy who I would think you know there's a chance that he gets moved. Um, I don't know what you'd necessarily get for Tyler Boyd at this point in you know in his career, but it's 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 the one spot where they're deep, and that if they need to get cheaper and they need to kind of stockpile some draft picks, then that that'd be a that'd be a move to make. That being said, when was the last time that the Bengals ever traded anybody for draft picks? Like they just don't do it. Like if you look at them over the last like five years and into the next five years, it's seven picks, seven picks, seven picks, seven picks every single year. Um, other than that, I would say, you know, a guy like Austin Eckler, a guy who's, you know, probably gets moved for something, you know, for pocket change, some team that, that's willing to take on his contract and, you know, the chargers get rid of a malcontent and they're able to pick up maybe a, a fifth round draft pick for him and, and get another run, get a rookie running back on a rookie contract to replace him. You know, a guy like a Kenny McIntosh or something like that. I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Mike Williams from Tampa Bay or uh, sorry, wrong dude, wrong Mike. But anyway, yeah, actually, you know what? I'll go with, uh, I'll go with Keenan Allen from the Chargers Cause there's been a little bit of stuff here and there. They might be looking to move on from him. They might think they have a chance to, uh, to trade out of that, you know, to get rid of him. But really, he's still a good player. His problem is he just can't stay healthy. But I could see him being like a real cheap guy that a team were to, you know, a team brings in. Maybe like the Browns go out and trade for him to try to add another receiver, and he could maybe have a decent season if he were able to stay healthy. That would be that would be really interesting. Keenan Allen would be really spicy. I don't think anyone would see that coming. Two players I wonder about. Jonah Williams is one, right? The left, the former left tackle of the Bengals, now right tackle. But the Bengals just don't trade those guys. And and nowadays, the CBA is just not nearly as friendly to players holding out. I feel like they're going to tell him to suck it up and play right tackle or kick him into guard, which he might actually be a guard anyways, just kind of like looking at his arm length and everything. Um, a couple of players I wonder about. I wonder about Buda Baker. Buda Baker is still like a top three or four safety in the NFL. And pick number 30 for the Eagles with their safety needs, that, that cannot happen. We as the NFL cannot allow that to happen. That's that makes too much sense. And he's too freaking good to make it to that team. That would be and that would make all the sense in the world for the the Cardinals as well. It would be a disservice to their fans, which means I probably won't do it to not trade Buda Breaker after him requesting a trade. Um, another player that I view as a wild card. I wonder about Chase Young. Um, I've brought him up on beat season before. There's been some complaints that they're not the most happy with kind of how he's played through injuries and how he's played overall. I mean, the man tore his ACL. You can't ask a whole lot for him there, but he's not been as available as Montez Sweat. It sounds like they kind of prefer Montez Sweat. There's a report coming out that the commanders are quote-unquote waiting on Caleb Williams for next year's draft, which is a hell of a gamble to make whenever you're like still signing free agents and, you know, like, you know, they're they're just not really approaching a team that's like wants to tank. I don't necessarily think how know how they think they're going to get to 1-1 next year, um, but both of those players could be interesting as well. Um, so let, let's switch gears here a little bit to a little bit more Chiefs specific. If the Chiefs wanted to trade up, Albert Breer um, put out in his Monday morning quarterback, or I don't know if his article is actually called Monday morning quarterback. It might be something else. I think I'm thinking of Peter King. But uh, Albert Breer in his report, he talked about the Chiefs were one of the teams that was laying the framework to trade up if they wanted to. 
some of the players that you mentioned were Zay Flowers and Jameer Gibbs. If they trade up for, I may, I may have to turn off my phone if they trade up, trade up for Jameer Gibbs. Um, I may not be safe at uh, Union Station on Thursday night if they trade up for Jameer Gibbs. But just kind of like, what are your guys' thoughts about those potential players and the news that they're trading up for? And like, who would the target be? Like, what would be a team? How far do you think they'd have to go for those type of players? I think if they're going to trade up, it's going to be for a tackle or an edge. And I think depending on how far they'd have to go, I think to get to a tackle like Darnell Wright, they'd have to get in front of the Bills or get in front of the Bengals. So probably get around like 20, 22, somewhere in there. Maybe for like a pick like Broderick Jones, they'd have to get inside the top 15. So I, I think if it were a tackle like one of those guys, they'd have to move significant capital to get probably inside the top 20 if you want to feel safe doing it. But I mean, in it would probably end up being worth it in the long run if they did go after either of those two guys in the trade. Yeah, I think that if if they're going to move up, the smart move is to move up for an offensive tackle. That being said, we know that Andy Reid likes his skill position players. Like he just he just, he likes fast guys. He likes his bells and whistles. And there's just a sneaking suspicion inside of me that they're that Jameer Gibbs is going to be a Kansas City Chief at when it's all said and done. And they're not going to have to move up that far from 31 to get him if they have to move up at all. Um, other than that, I I think that they liked what they saw at Zay Flowers when he was down there with Mahomes. And Zay Flowers fits the mold of who Andy Reid and Brett Veach look for in wide receiver. Um, I, I think that, you know, they say in, in basketball you can't teach seven feet tall. You can't teach 4-4 four, four speed. Or you know sub four four speed you know and guys who are fast with the ball in their hands and electric playmakers with quick twitch and I think that that's something that that Andy Reid and Brett Veach have 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 shown time and time again it's something that they extremely value and whether or not I think that it's a smart move or not is beside the point I think I think that those are two players that that the Chiefs have on their radar of if it makes sense they're going to move up to get him. Brother, if the Chiefs draft Jameer Gibbs at 31, it's going to be hard. If they trade up for Jameer Gibbs, like, here's the thing. After the draft's over and we get over the dialogue and the discourse and everything, Jameer Gibbs objectively makes the Chiefs a better team. Like, when he runs out there on third down and he is absolutely an upgrade over, like, I guess I shouldn't say absolutely, but I feel like he could be an upgrade over Jarek McKinnon and bring a really, you know, just kind of continue something that has become bigger and bigger in the Chiefs offense. But man, the positional value, it's just, it's just not there. The trade up for Zay Flowers makes sense. You know, we were talking about this a little bit on Sunday, that he seems like the type of player, their type of player, as far as wide receiver goes, the way he wins is the way that Andy Reid likes his receivers to win. Mm -hmm. And honestly, his size profile is probably not that entirely different to Tyreek Hill physically, other than like, obviously there's a huge speed and acceleration differential. The problem with Zay Flowers though, is I feel like you're probably going to have to get up in front of new England. New England feels like almost, I, I don't want to say a lock, but they feel like a team that would really like to draft him. They've done, they've done quite a bit of flirting with him. There's obviously that kind of like Boston connection there. I feel like that's a player that they would really like to have given what else they have on the roster. They don't really have, any receiver that re wins with speed right now. So that's, that's a really high price to pay. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. And don't, don't get me wrong. I don't think they should trade up for Jameer Gibbs. I just think, I think that they're thinking about it and they're flirting with the idea. 
because they like him that much. And I don't think they would jump 10 spots for Jameer Gibbs, but if they should jump up to 28 to get him, you know, or something like that, I think I think it's a possibility. If there was a guy that I would say probably trade up for, if you believe that Jawan Taylor is your left tackle, then you jump up and you do what you got to do to get Darnell right. If you don't believe that Jawan Taylor is actually a left tackle and he's actually a right tackle, then you move up and you do what you got to do to get Anton Harrison if you don't think he's going to fall to you because those are like the two thresholds there. Uh, if you're going to fix the line, those are the two targets on one side or the other that I think the Chiefs would have to go for that would be within decent striking range. Caleb, who do you think is a team that the Chiefs could target a trade-up with? So I kind of wrote about this the other night. I wrote about maybe whether Broderick Jones would be worth trading up for. I think him and Wright are going to go in a similar spot. And I think that if you're looking to target, you know, a teams, you know, I mentioned teams that I think will be tackle hungry are probably going to be the Titans could probably also be towards the back end, the Bengals. And I also think it will be the, uh, the Buffalo bills. I think the Cowboys are a team that we can see the chiefs interested in trading up when I also think the giants are. And the reason I sit, see the chiefs moving up for a tackle with those two teams at 22 and 25, I believe, is because they both have rookies on, they both have rookie tackles or not rookie tackles. They have tackles on rookie contracts, but they're solidified at those two positions. And they're also teams that need quite a bit of help on other sides of the ball at other positions. You know, they maybe the Chiefs could give them an extra pick to continue to build the depth of their roster. And they're not AFC teams, so they probably wouldn't mind helping the Chiefs out a ton. I think those would be the two most likely teams for a trade-up if you are the Chiefs. Yeah, I continue to just kind of come back to this stretch run here. You've After Pittsburgh at 17, which like, you know, we're talking about Darnell Wright. That feels like a place that is a really good fit for Darnell Wright. Um, you then get to Detroit with their second pick. Tampa, who we've mentioned, you know, are they tanking? Are they trying to still contend? Seattle's second pick. That feels like the zone right there for me that like that's the area the Chiefs have to target because after that, you have the full effect of teams who don't want to trade with you because you're a direct contender to. And also, if you leapfrog those teams, you're then kind of like getting in before they do. That's like exactly what happened last year with the Bills and the Chiefs trading up for Trent McDuffie. And, and you know, you were referencing the Bills kind of being a wild card team. If the Bills are going to try to, you know, like leapfrog that, they're going to have to go even higher than that. They're probably getting up to like the 10 to 15 range to really have to like get up and make a pick before those other teams. Because I'm telling you, that's going to be the part of the draft that's going to be a gut punch. Like we're going to be sitting there at like 18, 19, like, wow, look at all these players. This is great. Like the board is breaking great for the Chiefs. And it's just going to be bang, 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 bang. Because so many of those teams have similar needs as the Chiefs and they're all going to contenders. You have to watch that player then go play against you in the playoffs. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head a little bit with um, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Jason Light, their GM, loves to wheel and deal. He loves to play with the salary cap. He loves to to try to, like, you know, think outside the box as far as roster building. He's gotten himself into a super pickle right now where his sal- he is up against it on the salary cap, and they had to cut players they really like just to get below the salary cap before the start of the, of the league year. So they need as many cheap players, cheap quality players as possible. So they need to be stacking draft picks this year. And so moving back from 19 is probably – very, very high on their list and very, very, 
you know, very something that, that sounds very amiable, that they're very amiable too. That being said, that's also probably the highest possible that the Chiefs are willing to go to as far as giving up resources to move up that high. Like that's like you're moving up, you know, 12 positions at that point. You're you're getting some pretty rich territory, you know, if you're moving up from 31 to 19. Um, so that's where you're really gonna have to be able to have your your finger on the pulse of the draft and of the board and of those pockets of players that you like, like beach is always talking about pockets that he likes, you know, and that like, like I kind of mentioned that 19 to 25 pocket or 19 to 26 pocket from between, you know, Tampa Bay and the Cowboys. It's, it's going to be a murderer's row, but you're also going to have to be able to kind of sense what's the right time to pull the trigger. Like how high do I have to jump? without jumping too high. We've talked a lot about trading up. Obviously, you know, we we think that the Chiefs are going to be aggressive with the draft being in their own uh, home field area. However, what are some teams that the Chiefs could potentially trade down with? Who's trying to get back into the first round? Is it potentially for a quarterback? Is it potentially for another player that they really like? Do you even think that it's possible that the Chiefs trade down, Caleb? Let's say there's a team that really likes Hendon Hooker or something like that, and the Chiefs come up at 31 and they're thinking they're getting nervous because of what old CC said on the pod the other on his pod the other day. Let's say that team is maybe like the Detroit Lions, and maybe in the first round they decide, you know what, we feel really comfortable drafting Will Anderson and pairing him and Aiden Hutchinson, and we're going to build just the most badass defense in the NFC but we still want to get a developmental quarterback who we can still sit and learn. And if he's not the guy, he's not the guy, but at least we took a shot at it and we'll just keep moving on. So, you know, maybe that could be something like that. Maybe if Detroit doesn't go quarterback in the first round. I enjoyed the Brian Windhorse meme there. Like you, you did the the point up <laughs> meme, which I really, you know, really enjoyed though. Why would, why would they do that? Why would they do that? I, I totally agree though. You, you, you took the words out of my mouth. Like the Texans, those teams that have multiple firsts this year, the Texans, the Seahawks, and the Lions, like they all feel like teams that could like try to get a little galaxy brand, kind of go like what the Raiders did a couple year couple years ago because that worked out great, and try to you know take three first round picks, have all three of these players on a five year, you know rookie with the fifth year option. I also I, I wonder about the Vikings a little bit, um, whether they're a team that could trade down to the Chiefs thirty one, like if the Chiefs wanted to to flop with the Vikings, and they still take Hooker. I think that. You know, they're they very much have been a year to year plan with Kirk Cousins. And they're a team that traded out of the first round last year and was very analytically sound with how they did their trade downs. I I could see it. I could see them being a team that jumps back into the first and just tries to do the Lamar Jackson thing. I also think that it's possible that there's a team that really convinces themselves that they're, um, you know, it's just hard because. We've got about like 40 players that we stick in the first round traditionally in mocks. Obviously, there's going to be a couple of players that we are sitting there like, wow, this player fell out of the first round. And maybe the Chiefs aren't in love with like Darnell Washington or, um, you know, like let's say a lot of the interior offensive linemen get pushed down. Like maybe someone's jumping up for Osiris Torres or maybe they really like Steve Avila or something like that. I could see that as well, although trading up for a guard doesn't seem to happen very often. Yeah, but if you think about it, the teams that kind of are going to be guard, center, you know, needy are, you know, the Arizona Cardinals and the Houston Texans. So they're really only popping up two or three spots, you know, to or to get the guy that they want. One team that I think 
is sneakily a contender to move up if the if say a guy like Hendon Hooker is there or a player that they really like is there. Is the LA Rams? They don't have a first round draft pick. Their their roster is in shambles. They have so many needs. And to be honest, Matt Stafford's arm looked like it was falling off through three quarters of the season. Like they said, it was just like a, a sprained elbow, but he couldn't throw the ball further than 20 yards downfield for most of the season. And then he was out and they were relying on Baker Mayfield playing with, you know, literally 24 hours notice, you know, to start a nationally televised game. Um, so I think that sooner rather than later, they have to think about life after Matt Stafford. They went out and they bought their Super Bowl, and now all the checks are coming due, and they got to start thinking about making some moves to start rebuilding their roster. And they're sitting there at 36, and they have a decent number of picks this year. You know, they're sitting there with they have a, they do have 11 picks. They have three within the top 100. You know, so it may make sense for them. You know, heck, they have they have. Let me count it here. They have nine picks in the top 200. You know, so. I mean, it may make sense for them to move up from 36 to 31 to grab a guy like Hendon Hooker, let him redshirt a year behind Matt Stafford, or grab another guy, a wide receiver. You know, they just cut ties with Allen Robinson. They don't, they just, they lost Jalen Ramsey. They're basically Aaron Donald and then a Cooper Cup who's coming back from injury right now. Yeah. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting for sure. I think that how the Chiefs, do the draft this year is very much going to be kind of like a living, breathing organism that's just going to kind of depend on the ebbs and flows. Let's let's center in here a little bit on pick 31. One thing I want to ask you guys is it feels like the Chiefs very much have very common needs that a lot of teams have who are not good teams. There's a good chance that when the Chiefs are on the clock, they'll be looking at offensive tackle five or six, edge five or six, maybe even seven. Um, wide receiver three and a bad wide receiver class. There's a lot of not going to be a lot of positional value there, but there's a chance that let's say Michael Mayer for some reason has fallen or Dalton Kincaid has fallen, or let's say the corner class doesn't get sorted through as much as possible. And like Deontay Banks is sitting there or Joey Porter, or let's say Brian Branch has fallen and, you know, people just are devaluing the safety position. How good does the position, like how much do you take into account positional value and what's a player that you'd be willing to ignore the positional value for within reason, obviously like, Oh, you know, like Jalen Carter sitting there, of course you're going to take him at 31, but just kind of how does positional value play into it? Would you rather be taking tight end two or three instead of offensive tackle six? Caleb, why don't you, you answer this one? For me, I would rather take a tight end two or three. If it did, if it ended up being like a Kincaid, if he were there, if Darnell Washington is there, I would maybe hesitate a little bit just because I wouldn't be as high on his skill set in the Chiefs. But if Dalton Kincaid is there, I think you pay attention to that value. The thing with me, though, is I I think this is such a weird tackle class. It's got great talent upside. I just don't think it's as deep as everyone's making it out to be from what we've had in the past years. So, like, once you get to that point where it's like Skaronski, Johnson – you know, Broderick Jones and Darnell Wright and maybe even Harrison are off the board. You know, maybe you know, maybe you're trying to decide if it's Anton Harrison, if it's Dewan Jones, if it's some guys you've got some questions on. I think at that point you might just want to take the better tight end on the board and just kind of roll your dice moving back into the second round just a little bit with them because I still think there could be some similar talent to 
Like, I still think that Harrison and Jones will have, like, similarly talented guys fall in the second round that you could also pick up. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, Dalton Kincaid is the one I, w- I would say. I think he's the best pure pass catcher. You know, he's obviously there's he's not the best athlete, you know, as, as, as far as, um, like, better than some of the wide receivers in the draft. But as, pure as, as, as far as just, you know, hands, contested catching, that sort of thing, Dalton Kincaid's the best pure pass catcher in this draft. So if he falls to 31, I think that you ignore positional value aside. You, you ignore who you already have on your roster and you take him. Also, if BJ and Robinson falls to 31, it's the exact same story. <clears throat> I've said this a couple of times on each season, BJ and Robinson pound for pound is the best football player in this draft. As far as talent goes, like there's not another football player in this draft. That's as talented at what they do as BJ and Robinson. Not even Will Anderson Jr., I don't think, in my opinion, it's close, but I don't think so. And so if he falls to you at 31, I think you just snatch him up and you say, okay, I have the most talented football player in this draft. Positional value be damned. I'm going to figure out a way to make it work. And I think the same thing also kind of goes, you know, if, if you're sitting there looking, you know, if Deontay Banks, say, for instance, falls to 31, I'd have a real hard time taking Dewan Jones or, you know, even like, you know, even even FAU out of K-State over Deontay Banks if he's sitting there at 31, just because I think Deontay Banks is such a talented cornerback. Yeah, I, I think one thing that's been really kind of overstated, you brought up two kind of similar situations. Um, you know, the running back value conversation, we talked about Jameer Gibbs. Bijan Robinson's a very, very different player than Jameer Gibbs and a very different player than Clyde Edwards-Dallaire and Isaiah Pacheco, like a true three-down back path, vision, everything that you want a running back prospect. If he's there at 31, he's undoubtedly best player available. You talked about Deontay Banks. Uh, You know, a lot of people just, like, don't want to take a corner because they think, oh, we've, you know, we had three corners, we drafted two, they all, or we drafted three this year, they all worked out really good. The one thing that, the same for Isaiah Pacheco, the same that goes for them. And I'll even throw Brian Branch's name in there as well. You are not so invested in these positions outside of Trent McDuffie that you can't take another player and they play less because you've got someone better. Like, oh no, we drafted Deontay Banks and he's excellent. Joshua Williams doesn't see the field as much. Okay, well, he's a fourth round pick and now you've got great depth. And when you do get an injury in the secondary, oh well. Oh, well, we signed this, you know, third safety from Tampa Bay and we drafted Brian Cook. We couldn't possibly take Brian Branch. You know, you can take Brian Branch. None of those players. And same with Isaiah Pacheco. I like Isaiah Pacheco. I think he's a good pick. And clearly, like, the Chiefs probably don't do as well and win a Super Bowl without Isaiah Pacheco. He became the lead back. But, you know, if Bijan Robinson's there or whatever, like, you take Bijan Robinson because Isaiah Pacheco is a seventh round pick. And, you, you you have, you know, depth at that position. Gibbs is a little bit different because Gibbs definitely feels like the lightning to Isaiah Pacheco's thunder. That pairing makes sense. But, I you know, Gibbs at 31, again, we've already talked about. I would love to see, like, oh, hey, they traded down and they were able to grab, like, Tuli Tulipolotu or FAU and Jameer Gibbs. Then, then you're cooking with some gas there. That's why the trade down is so tantalizing. want to talk about a little bit about what position you think is kind of the wild card for the draft. Um, obviously quarterback, that one's obvious, but what's one position you think that we might see more or less of that could really impact how the Chiefs and where the Chiefs go? Uh, Caleb, what do you think? I think it's very possible we see less offensive tackles go than is kind of being made out. 
And I'm just going to say that because I do think this is a little bit of a weaker class. And I know, you know, teams are always so tackle hungry. They'll just take bodies, take bodies, especially when it's going late. But really, you know, you mentioned, you know, I think there's like four clear cut first round picks. Okay. I mentioned them a second ago, Sco, Johnson, Jones, and Wright. Outside of that, you get into Anton Harrison, Dewan Jones, that second tier. I could see those guys going anywhere from 31 and lower all the way to like pick 100, some of those guys. So I don't think there's going to be quite as big a run on tackles in the early rounds as I think there's always been. But I think that could end up actually helping the Chiefs later down the line if they did want to look to round out that position. Yeah, I think that also there's a real strong possibility that there's more interior offensive linemen taken in the early rounds than people are ready for. Um, John Michael Schmidt is, I mean, he's, he's an all world center prospect. Like you're talking about, you want to look at blue chip offensive linemen in this draft. John Michael Schmidt is a blue chip center. It's just that people don't put a value on centers. Like they do, you know, obviously offensive tackles and, and for good reason. Uh, But I think Creed Humphrey is kind of, and even Jason Kelsey have shown the, the value of having, you know, one of the best centers in the National Football League, especially when you have him on a rookie contract, you know, right there in the center of your offensive line. Steve Avila at a, at a TCU is another stud. Even like Luke Weiler and Chandler Zavala are all really quality, you know, really good interior offensive linemen. And that's not even talking about any of the short-armed, you know, T-Rex arm tackles in this draft class that make it kicked inside you know like Skaronsky for instance you know I mean I think that he can stick on on the outside in the NFL but there's a chance that he ends up at guard at some point in his career and because of that I think that you're going to see a lot more interior offensive linemen go than than maybe you're expecting the position that I've targeted as kind of the wild card for the Chiefs is going to be corner I think you know we just finished talking about like if the value is there at corner but the Chiefs feel comfortable about getting out of the first round without a corner. I think a lot of teams look at the depth at corner and think, like, this is a great corner class. We don't want to miss out. And the reason why I think that is because I feel like you start adding in the factor of, like, some teams, are their boards are just set different. You know, some teams have Cole Strange as a first-round pick on their board. Teams just do things differently. To me, there's about seven or eight corners that I've seen in mock drafts as potential first-rounders, and I think that teams could talk themselves into it. You've got Christian Gonzalez, Devin Witherspoon, Joey Porter as kind of like your locks, then De- and Deontay Banks. Then you've seen some Keely Ringo out there. DJ Turner is getting a ton of buzz. I've seen Julius Brents in first-round mocks. And then you can even mess around with Emmanuel Forbes there as well and Cam Smith. I mean, that's like eight guys right there. It's very reasonable to think that teams are going to talk themselves into this or see the run. And some teams are going to press and go, you know, go that direction. And I do think, you know, getting back to the Bills, getting back to the Chargers, getting back to the uh, the Bengals, there are some corner needing teams kind of right before the Chiefs. So I, you know, if we're getting to pick like eighteen or nineteen, and we start seeing like a Julius Brent, Keely Ringo, DJ Turner come off the board, or Emmanuel Forbes, like every one of those corner picks is going to feel like a win to me because that's pushing some of that edge and wide receiver and hopefully offensive tackle prospects down to the chiefs so could could be really interesting well yeah and i think that at any point in time we kind of talked about this a little bit on our slack earlier you know just defensive backs in general there's going to be at some point in the game six defensive backs on the field at one time or and four of those most likely are going to be cornerbacks right 
And so, and sometimes you might have five cornerbacks on the field. And so just by the sheer nature of the game and the way that the NFL is played now, you just need more defensive backs on your team than you do most positions. Wide, that's why you see a lot of wide receivers go in the first round and go early in the draft, and a lot of wide receivers getting taken every year is because you need a lot of wide receivers to put on the football field, you know. And the same thing goes with defensive backs. And so, I, I with it being this deep of a defensive back class, there may be a lot of teams out there that are like, this is our chance to kind of cash in and stock up, you know, to stop, you know, the Josh Allen's, Joe Burrows, Patrick Mahomes is, you know, of the NFL. And I feel dirty that I just mentioned Patrick Mahomes' name third, even though I don't know what order I was probably doing. I was probably doing um, alphabetical last name in my reptilian part of my brain. Yeah, saving the best for last. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, Mahomes is QB1, Chiefs Kingdom, so don't come burn my house down. Um, But, uh, yeah, so, you know, yeah, you got to stop Patrick Mahomes. So And this is a deep cornerback draft. Every single AFC team should be taking a, a cornerback in the first round. You know, and sometimes I think it is that desperation that and the value teams put on edges and corners, why there ends up being a lot of late first-round busts at edge and corner. It's because a lot of these teams at the back end get so desperate to get a guy, they'll, you know, pull a Giants and trade up or trade back up and get like DeAndre Baker. and he's He flounders his way out of the league in three years or, you know, just some, you know, go get some like early second-round edge that you've completely overdrafted at 31. You know, it's hard to find guys at edge and corner in those spots just because all of the true, like, first-round picks, guys that play, fall off the board a lot of the time in that situations. There are outliers, but I do think, you know, like back to what we were saying earlier, that's why it's important to take what's valuable to your team, not just necessarily, you know, what would be considered the most valuable position. Yeah, I think that's like like Veach is like one of his main philosophies is best player available, which is why you see him do a lot of these mid-level free agency signings. You know, he'll bring in the Drew Tranquils and he'll bring in, you know, the uh, the Charles Aminahues. Why? Because he doesn't want to box himself in in the draft and he wants to be able to take best player available and not let the position dictate what he has to do. We've come down to it. It's the question that's asked way too much on Twitter. Gun to your head. Pick 31. Who are the Chiefs taking, Rocky? Gun to my head. Pick 31. The Kansas City Chiefs select. I said Anton Harrison on um, on Beach season, and I don't want to be that lame guy that just says the same thing on every single pod. I'm going to say gun to my head. The Kansas City Chiefs are selecting. I'm going to say they're taking FAU. Caleb? I feel like I've done so many offensive linemen and edges throughout this this whole class but you know I I think a guy that I think is a first round pick and he's not really been considered a first round pick with a lot of guys is Derek Hall I think there's a lot of parts to his game that would really fit what the Chiefs do well I think he's kind of being underrated a little bit and I think if you pair him on like a defensive line with Chris Jones he's got one of these body types it's very rare to have a guy with that kind of leverage and lower body power with arms that long, I think it could give tackles a lot of issues, and I think he's still getting a lot more flexible. So I'd say Derek Hall at 31. I don't think that's nearly as bad. I don't think he's. I don't really think he's a second round pick to be honest. I think he's a first round guy. Well, if like- we're gonna go with with that, I'm gonna say I'm changing mine to Cedric Tillman. Then I'm gonna say Cedric Tillman. 2021 tape, Cedric Tillman at pick 31. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> it's hard. 
because I'm factoring in like what I think they should do, what I think they'll do, who do I think it's going to available. I agree with Rocky. I, I feel like if Anton Harrison is there to take, they probably will. But I'm not sure I want this to happen. I don't think I do. But I think Jalen Hyatt is going to be my guess. I feel like they just they love the speed. They can't help themselves. They continue to overdraft speed. I, I just I can see it. It makes sense. It's what they like. They, they're still going to pat themselves on the back. And look, we went and got Pat someone to catch the ball. I don't love it. But I and I'm also a little afraid about Dewan Jones, too. Like we've talked about him a lot. He he's so big and so long. Andy loves those guys. But I mean, congrats. You added the only tackle less athletic than Orlando Brown after moving off Orlando Brown. So I, I don't know. Those those are two guys that I could really see them calling off at 31. I actually like I don't know, man. Hi. Hyatt does one thing, but he does the important part. He's fast and he catches the ball, though. That's the important thing. You know, he doesn't just run down there and drop it. Yeah, I I mean, my thing is, is like, there's been some DK Metcalf comparisons to Hyatt as far as like, well, you know, DK Metcalf only ran three routes coming out. But like, go Google DK Metcalf with a shirt off and then come back and tell me how similar him and Jalen Hyatt are. I, I, I don't know. I just I'm afraid that with Hyatt, it's just not going to translate at the NFL level. He's not going to develop as route runner. And then also, I, I'm a little worried about his size as far as injuries go as well. I, I, I don't know. It just to me, it just feels like you could get 85 to 90% of Jalen Hyatt in the second round with Marvin Mims, the third round with Tyler Scott, the fourth round with uh, the kid from Nebraska, whose name is yeah, Trey Palmer, Trey Palmer. Who was, I mean, like, who was, who was the fastest wide receiver at the draft? Yeah. Or like, you want to go like, Hey mom, we've got, yeah, we've got fifth round Jalen Hyatt at home and Andre Yosevis. Like all those, all those players can bring a similar thing to it. I understand like, you know, speed is what got Henry Ruggs drafted besides playing at Alabama and winning national championships. But oh, man, I just not, not a pick I love, but pick 31 is hard, man. It's basically a second round pick at that point. I mean, if, and let's not act like Jalen, Jalen Hyatt ran a four, four flat, right? That's, that's, that's pretty fast, but it's not otherworldly fast in today's NFL. I mean, and I mean, Charlie Jones ran a 4-4-3, right? And nobody's out here, you know, pounding the table for Charlie Jones, the deep threat, you know, to be in a first round draft pick, you know, and he led all of NCAA in football. I mean, all, all NCAA in, in, in receptions and yards, you know, and so um, I don't know, man. I, I don't hate Hyatt. I think Hyatt is a fine enough prospect but just at 31 it it just it makes my brain hurt well the good news is it doesn't matter if it's jalen hyatt dewan jones whoever it's going to be at pick 31 arrowhead pride is going to have you covered with all of your news and information we've got caleb james rocky magania with us thank you so much for joining me today guys on this uh draft round one round table make sure you're locked in here for the rest of the week as we're going to be covering the picks live credentialed at the NFL Draft here in Kansas City at Union Station. It's a great time to be a Kansas Cityan. Fellas, it's been awesome. Thanks for joining me. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new. To know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts.